today I want to talk to you from the heart of the Father. The Father's heart. I'm going to talk to you as I would with my children in the living room, which we've done often. And, and I just want to share some things that are on my heart. I want to encourage you today as a father, spiritual father. I want to exhort you and I want to warn you. Uh, just as I do my children and just bring a word that I really know that God spoke into my heart. As a spiritual father, God, God, how many knows God is the spiritual father of the house? And then he places pastors and leaders in the house to, to be a covering. And I want to do that today and bring a message from my heart to you. Let's go right to our text today. Get your notes out. And I want to talk to you today because how many will acknowledge with me that there is a spiritual war taking place in the heavenlies in our nation today? That, that there is a spiritual conflict going on like never before. Uh, we're under spiritual attack and there's warfare. How many will acknowledge in your own personal life there's like there's more stuff going on than norm. It shouldn't be this much going on. There shouldn't be this much opposition against me taking place. And I want to address some of that today and hopefully bring some insight and some instruction that's going to help you and I win this thing called the battle of life. Amen? Amen. Let's go right to our text that we're using today. And we find it in John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says, the thief, the devil, our enemy, he comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That we're in a battle today and it's with the devil, it's with the enemy, but he's come to do three things. Number one is to steal. What does that mean? He wants to wrongfully take what is rightfully yours. He, in, in his own schemes and plans, he wants to come and take what God has already told you is yours. He wants to steal. Then he wants to kill. He wants to kill your dreams, your hopes, your desires, your marriage, your finances, your health. He wants to take your life. As I shared earlier in our first service, three people that I know of in the last two months that have come to this church and found Christ and found purpose and they're walking out their new life in Christ came here with a spirit of suicide upon them. They were already planning the whole thing out but Jesus came, but there's a thief out there. He wants to steal what's rightfully yours. He wants to kill your dreams, your visions, your plans, your hopes, and even your life, and he wants to destroy you. Steal, kill, destroy. And destroy there means he wants to come and, and overwhelm you with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. He wants to bring these things that the Bible says that, that, that will defile you and many around you. He wants to destroy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And understanding this conflict, understanding this warfare, I want to talk to you about two things that God tells us to do. Number one is you've got to know your enemy. You've got to know who you're fighting. The Bible said, does a man build a house lest he count the cost? Does a man go to war lest he send an ambassador and see who his enemy is and, and who he's really fighting? And I want to say to you as your pastor today, we need to know who our enemy is. And God makes that very, very clear through Scripture. Go with me to Ephesians 6. And he speaks here to us for our struggle, our warfare, our conflict is not against flesh and blood. Now, I've read that thousands of times. I've preached on this scripture hundreds of times, but I never really saw what God spoke to my heart to bring to you in the way that I'm gonna bring it today. We always rush right through that and go, okay, so we're not rushing against flesh and blood, we're in spirits, principalities. 
What he said here was, your conflict, your battle, your warfare is not with other people. It's not with flesh and blood. But it's against rulers, against authorities, powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. What he's saying here is you've got to know who your enemy is if you're going to win in this battle of life. And, and your enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not other people. Satan's scheme and plan of action is to have you and I thinking that our struggle and our conflict is with other people as a means of distracting us from the true origin of where our conflict is coming from. That he uses other people, but he's the source of that conflict. And if he can get you looking at other people, listen, our names just continue to add up on who's hurt us. You just keep adding more names to the list of, of who's messed your life up and, and it's somebody else's fault and we just keep adding more names to the list and that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do because you're not identifying your real enemy. And it's not other people. It's spiritual. You see, your unhappiness. I'm just gonna talk, can I talk to you as a father? I'm going to. And, and my kids sat around my living room and in our kitchen table when they were teenagers and they didn't like the rules of our house. And well, Johnny's daddy lets them come in at two o'clock in the morning. Well, ask Johnny's daddy to buy a new bed. Hey, Amen. You coming home at 1230 in my house, the latest, all right? And, and they didn't like the rules and they didn't like everything. And now I love it when they've got children that they're raising and they're telling them the same thing I did. All right, it's just fun, all right? So I wanna speak to you as a father today let you realize today, if you're unhappy with life, it has nothing to do with other people. You're unhappy with you. You're unhappy with your inner person. You're unhappy with who you are. And I don't mean this ugly or bad. I'm, I want to move you out of that today. You with me? So I don't say that as a condemnation thing. I'm saying we're wrestling against flesh and blood, so we're blaming other people for our unhappiness when in reality we're unhappy with ourselves because we know God's got more for us than we're experiencing in life. I mean, if you don't believe that, go on Facebook, social media. Everybody is talking about what somebody else did to them. I mean, it's all over. I mean, you know, they hurt me again. I thought that you were my friends. I, and just, I mean, it, this really fits into the Unplugged series. It really does, because too many of us are plugged up too much and we're listening to the wrong voices and we're talking about the wrong enemy. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to do is be focused on other people and make them your enemy. Look at the battle that Jacob had with Esau, his brother in the Bible when he had sold his birthright. In his immaturity, Jacob wrestled with his brother. But in his maturity, he wrestled with God. And listen to me today. If your battle today is with other people, it's a sign of spiritual immaturity. If I'm in a warfare today, it must be in the heavenlies. It must be where it belongs. And that's a battle of maturity. That's where you win the battle of life. You will never win the battle of life in an immature mindset. It must come to where the battle's really taking place and it's in the heavenly realm. Come on, y'all with me today. I'm just trying to help you for a minute, all right? And so who are we really fighting? We're gonna go really quick, so you gotta stay with me. You know, it's number one, rulers. 
We're fighting rulers, and I don't have time to go into all the details of each one of these powers that the Bible says that we're at war against. So all I wanna do today is tell you what are the outward manifestations in the society that we're living in so we can identify with it, all right? So when he says we're battle, our warfare is not with men and women, it's not with flesh and blood, but it is against rulers. He's talking about those of the highest rank in the demonic kingdom that we are wrestling against the highest officials in Satan's army and they focus their influence on people of authority, those who govern and those who make laws, presidents, kings, monarchs, parents, those that are in authority, those that establish laws. He said, we're wrestling against rulers and they have been assigned. They have been assigned to those who make laws and govern us. Rather than we did it with Clinton, we did it with President Bush, we did it with President Obama, now we're doing it with President Trump. We're making our battle flesh and blood and we're totally ignoring where the battle's really coming from. And you need to get off of Facebook and quit bashing the personality and start praying against the spirit that has been assigned to that personality. Number two, we wrestle against authorities. You see, why is, he, why is he attacking our rulers? Because they make the laws that govern you and I. And how many sees those laws going south against the word of God? There's a warfare and there's a reason. Number two, authorities. Those are demonic forces that influence those who interpret the laws that have been established by those that govern us. These are people like uh, uh, pres uh, excuse me, bureaucrats, judges, law enforcement, media, entertainment, Hollywood. There's an attack. There's a spiritual uh, uh, onslaught of demonic powers that have been released. And do we not see that today? I mean, look, look at all the conflict. Look at all the stuff that we're dealing with in, in, in the judicial system and law enforcement and Hollywood. Listen, society today puts more weight and confidence and a pro athlete with a ball in his hand, a Hollywood star with a script in their hand, or a news reporter with a TV in front of them than they do a preacher with a Bible in his hand. Amen. The word of God's like fifth place today on what really matters because we've allowed authorities to take authority over our system and our life and we're fighting each other while he's winning. Then we wrestle against powers, demonic forces to cause people to accept corrupt values of a godless society and live according to those rather than the word of God and God's will. Demonic forces set in place to destroy our marriage, our family, our relationships, our Christian testimony. Number four, we wrestle against spiritual forces of darkness, demonic forces that seek to control a, a religion and all perception of things spiritual, an attempt by the enemy to create a society that will call good evil and evil good. And boy, are we not living in that one. What is it? We're under attack. We're in a battle. We're in a war. And while we're over here focused on they hurt me, and, and do you not see what the enemy's done? That's why he set up uh, denominations in the church to divide us 
to put us, the Protestant against the Catholic, this one against that one, the, the, the Pentecostal against the Baptist. This is why we have Democrats, Republicans, Independent. This is why we have uh, the, the liberal and the conservative. This is what the enemy's doing. He wants to keep us out here just focused on each other and attacking each other and you're my enemy. No, we're in the same army. Here's our enemy and he doesn't have to bother us because we're doing his job for him. Because we're fighting each other. We've made each other our enemy instead of realizing who our real enemy is. You need to know who your enemy is. Once you identify your enemy, you need to prepare yourself for battle. I want to talk to you about that real quick. Again, every one of these could be a sermon within themselves. I'm just trying to cover it in one day. So how many understands today that other people are not your enemy? They're not your enemy. Now, other people, they'll be used by the enemy to hurt you, but they're not your enemy. They're a victim of your enemy. And that's why they were used to hurt you. Now, that doesn't mean you're supposed to take them to lunch tomorrow, but you need to identify what's really going on. And so if I'm going to win this battle of life, I need to prepare for battle. How do I do that? He says in Ephesians 6 again, therefore, now that you've identified your enemy, therefore, put on the full armor of God. Not your armor. Not, not your armor. It's his armor. Put on the full, not part of it, not the part that you want, all of it. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, what's that day? The day you're under attack. When that day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything you can do, stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate, of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He continues on. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and we always stop right there, didn't we? In church, it's like that was the end of it. There's another part of the equipment that we never heard much about. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now get your notes out and get ready for a quick ride. What, 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 how do I win this battle of life? He said, put on the whole armor of God. This is God's armor. He says, you put it on. You don't have to make it work. Just put it on. You can't make it work. Just put it on. And if you've got it on, you can stand and you can stand firm against the wiles of the devil. Number one, the belt of truth. The belt of truth went around the soldier. It was thick leather. It went around the soldier, had a twofold purpose. Number one, it was to hold the breastplate that protected the heart. It was to hold the breastplate in place so that it didn't flap around. But its main purpose was to hold the sword and the weapons that the soldier would carry. It was a belt of truth. Can I tell you that truth is the most utmost and important weapon that we have as Christians without truth? The rest of the armor is of no use. That's why Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. No man comes to the Father 
but by him. And I want to say to you as the spiritual father of this house today, there is no other way to God but through Jesus Christ, his son. He is the truth. He is the way and he is the life. There's no other way to heaven but through Jesus and the truth that he brings in our hearts and in our lives. The scheme of the enemy is to assign the spiritual power of flesh and blood as a means to get us to compromise truth so that we don't offend somebody or that we're politically correct. And that's like hugging someone on the railroad track while the train's coming. Like, let me just be a Christian and not say truth. Let me just tell you what you want to hear so we can die together. No, truth sets you free and it'll set the people free that you really care about if you'll share truth in compassion and love with them. And if you're walking in partial truth, you're walking in deception and a lie because nothing can deceive you that doesn't have partial truth in it. And there's nothing more deadlier than partial truth, better to be a lie than to be partial truth. And he said, you put on the belt of truth because the truth tells me this is what the word says. And I'm gonna stand by this word, not to judge you, not to condemn you, not to be against you. I'm gonna stand by this word so that the grace of Jesus that's changed my life can change your life too. It's truth. He said, you put on the belt of truth. And truth allows the rest of the armor to work. Number two, he says, put on the breastplate righteousness. Righteousness. It refers to the righteousness purchased for us by Jesus on the cross. He that knew no sin became sin that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness, not my righteousness, they're filthy rags. He said, put on his breastplate of righteousness that now when I have that breastplate of his righteousness on, I don't have to struggle with the sin that once controlled my life. I don't have to deal with the past stuff that used to own me. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who now lives inside of me. I have new wants, new desires. I have a new character. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And, and I live right without even thinking about it. I couldn't do that in my righteousness. But now I put on his breastplate of righteousness. Can I talk to you as a father right now? Listen to your pastor right now. Stop playing around entertaining the very things that you needed God to save you from. So you need to listen to me. I'm watching your Facebook post and I know God saved you from alcoholism and I see you on there with your Bloody Marys, your margaritas. I know some of you that got saved out of lifestyles of clubbing and I see you on there in that Facebook post out there in your club with your old friends and your Heineken. Your play, what you just did was took off the very piece of armor that protects your heart. And now you're making the choices rather than the Spirit of God making the choices inside of you. I'm not preaching against that. I'm trying to help you right now to tell you you can't entertain the old man and become the new man. And if you're trying to do it on your own, you'll keep going back to that old man. But when I put on the breastplate of his righteousness... I no longer seek the old. I'm looking for the new. Good preaching. Thank you. 
You see, if you still enjoy doing the things that you needed saved from, you need to check out your salvation. I didn't say if you're still struggling with some of the things you got saved from. I said if you still enjoy doing the things that you needed saved from, then you need to go check out your salvation because the breastplate's missing. You see, God's breastplate of righteousness covers my heart and makes me want to do what's right without any effort on my part. Number three, got to go quick. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Y'all still love me? <laughs> we'll know if you come back home next Sunday. That's when we're going to find out. Woo. Shoes of the gospel of peace. You see, the Roman soldier, he had a special pair of shoes. He didn't wear them every day. He only wore them when they were in war. They were made of thicker material. And they had a thick sole on the bottom. They weren't made for just walking. They were made for battle. And, and, and they had thick soles so that they could embed nails and metal and, and studs underneath so that their feet would be firmly fixed, whether they were in sand or on a boulder or on the side of a hill. They knew that they didn't have to think about standing. They could put their mind 100% on the enemy and on the battle. And that's why I said, when you've done all you can do, just stand. He's saying, when you've got the sandals of the gospel of peace on, that's when your friends can come to you and go, what happened? If God loved you, why did he? He let something like that happen to you. But the sandals of peace says, my God, he told me that all things are working together for the good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I don't understand it, but I'm not worried about my stand. I'm not worried about whether I'm gonna make it or not. I, when I've done all I can do, I can stand because I've got the gospel of peace on. When that doctor comes to you and tells you you're gonna die, those sandals of peace come alive and say he shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I was, he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was placed upon him, but by his stripes I am healed. A, a peace comes over me. When that banker says, uh, you're gonna lose your house, you're gonna lose your car, you're gonna lose it all. Oh, there's a peace that says I was young, but now I'm old. I've never been forsaken uh, or seen a seed out begging for bed. My God shall supply all of my my knees according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The peace that comes when you put on his sandals of peace. It brings a peace that passes our understanding. We can't comprehend it, but I experience it because it's his peace. Whew. Number four, shield of faith. Shield of faith. When they would go to battle, they would use the two foot by four foot normally. Sometimes when the enemy was so large, they would use shields the size of a door. And then at certain battles, they had shields that would literally connect together so that if a soldier was killed, the shield would stay in place. There was no crack in the armor. But a shield, two foot by four foot long, was the norm in a time of battle. And he said the purpose of that shield is for you to have faith to block off the fiery darts of the evil one. What does that mean? The fiery darts there in the original writing means inflammable thoughts. That the enemy wants to bring doubt and fear and confusion, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. He wants to throw into your mind in the middle of conflict and get your mind off of the true enemy and get it back on people. He wants to consume you with that. But he said, you gotta have some faith. What's faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Anybody here got a hope list going on? 
I said, anybody here expecting God for something amazing in your life, a blessing, the favor of God? He said, without faith, it's impossible to even please God. Listen, if you're not taking risk in the spirit realm, you're not pleasing God. You gotta have some faith that I don't know how he's gonna do it, when he's gonna do it, where he's gonna do it, but I know he's gonna do it. He's my father. He'll hold back no good thing from his children. I've got faith, faith. God's going to come through. When you're too weak to fight, stand up in faith, he said. Stand. When, 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 when you're too discouraged to pray, stand in your faith. When you're too hurt to love, stand in your faith. When you don't know how to pray, stand in your faith, knowing the Spirit's making intercession on your behalf for the will of God when you don't even know how to pray it for yourself. When you want to give up and quit, stand in faith. Know that the faith that's inside of you through Christ himself is gonna see you through and your father is gonna show up on your behalf. We beat the enemy when we get our eyes off of what other people are saying and doing. We get our eyes back on the promises of God's word and they're still yea and amen and they never fail. Number five, you with me? The helmet of salvation helmet of salvation. This isn't a helmet to get you saved. This is a helmet for those already saved. It's a helmet of salvation because if I'm saved, it means I have a heavenly father. And I realize that my father's watching over me and everything's okay because what the enemy wants to do is constantly, and here's going to be your constant battle. It's going to be your, my constant battle is other people. Come on, am I right about it? It's like, I got that word today. By midnight tonight, somebody's going to tick you off. (laughs) And it's going to go right back to these sorry people. If I was the only one on this earth God would have created, it would be a good place to live. Nah, you would look in that mirror and talk about you. Because I find enough in me that needs to get fixed. I don't need anybody else to fix. You know what I'm saying? But he comes and he says, you got to put on the helmet of salvation. Why do you say that? Because the enemy wants to keep you going back to where the battle's really not. Because the battleground of the enemies are mine. Because as a man thinks, so is he. And he wants to take you back to that offense constantly. He wants to take you back to that childhood experience constantly. He wants to take you back to that friend that left you. He wants to take you back to that person that hurt you so deeply. He wants to take you back to that bitterness and that unforgiveness. He wants to constantly bring warfare against your mind. And so Jesus said, put on the helmet of salvation because every day if you'll remind yourself where you used to be, but where you are today, those voices have no hold on me any longer. Ask people. You want to know how real this is? Ask people. Why, why aren't you in church? Why didn't you leave the church? Somebody. Somebody. Well, why are you going through so much? Somebody. Well, why are you always discouraged? Somebody. Why are you broke? Somebody. Why are you always look unhappy? Somebody. We're falling right into the trap of the enemy, man. And we put our battle with other people, flesh and blood, while the enemy's over here in the spirit realm taking everything that's rightfully ours away. Am I preaching truth today? Am I? And we've got to identify that and put on 
the helmet of salvation. Number six, he said, then take the sword of the spirit, the only offensive weapon that, the, that God gave us in the artillery. The rest of it was defensive. You wanna know why the rest of it was defensive? It required no effort on our part to just, all we have to do is stand. I don't have to fight to be saved. I just need to stand in the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and, 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 and have the sandals of the gospel of peace and the belt of truth. I, I just need to have these on and I'll stay saved. I'll have to do stand. But then he said, there's one piece that you use. It's called the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Jesus said, your word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. Your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Jesus put it like this. He said, my word is like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. God said, you need to take my word, take the word of God. Can I tell you today, lose everything, but hang on to God's word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. Lose everything, but you hang on to God's unchanging word. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but my word will last forever. Lose everything, but you hang on to that promise that God gave you. You hang on to God's unchanging word. It'll keep you where nothing else can keep you. It'll take you where nothing else will take you. It'll make you what nothing else can make you. It's called the word of God. And God said, get that sword out and let my word be the last say so in your life over every report, over every negative word, over every experience that was painful, over every loss in life. Let my word triumph over everything because my word will see you through every battle and conflict in life. The word of God. It's God's word. You see, some of us need to stop listening to man and start listening to the word of what God has already said to us. Last of all, pray. That's a lost gift in the church. Pray. By the way, that was part of the armor. It's in the same paragraph. You can have all the rest of that on, but your, your Christianity is never stronger than your prayer life. Your relationship with God is never stronger than the time you spend with Him in prayer. I don't care how many tongues you talk. I don't care how many messages you preach. I don't care how good you are on an instrument. I don't care what gifts you have. You are never closer to God than your prayer life. You know what he come in at the end? He said, pray. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. Can I just challenge you today? If you don't have it, you need some time alone with God. You need to set a time alone every day that you pray and and you need to get into an atmosphere that is just not a bunch of talk, but it becomes spiritual. And there's some praying in the spirit, and that's not always in a, a, a different realm. I'm saying there is the praying in, in tongues. There is a praying in the spirit. And there's a praying that God just wants you to lock in where, where the real battle's at, in the spirit realm. And I begin to pray for things that I don't even understand. I begin to pray for people I don't even know as God begins to speak into your heart and then he brings it at the end like this, he closes it out and, and he says, pray in the spirit on all occasions, be alert and keep praying for all the Lord's people. 
rather than us fighting each other because we're Democrat or Republican or independent or we're liberal or we're conservative or we, we loved Obama or we hate Trump or we hate Trump and we loved Obama and all of this kind of, that's where all of our tension's at right now and the enemy's sitting over there just laughing at the church, destroying itself and we've got the wrong enemy in focus. God said, come back over here and realize there's a real war going on and people's not your enemy. There's an origin of this thing and it's called the devil. And he said, pray for each other. Pray for one another, care about each other. I love this church, I love this church family. I love the unity that's here. But can I preach this to you today and close by saying as a, a, a precaution, I know that we're not gonna get to the 600s where we are right now and the enemy not come in here and try to bring some stuff. I'm not that ignorant. He's gonna try and we're just gonna stop it right now because if you're praying and I'm praying for one another, the enemy can't divide us and spread us apart. If we realize that we can disagree and we're not each other's enemy, there's an enemy out there that wants us to disagree. Put our focus on each other, but no, we're gonna stay together with one mind, one heart, and one purpose, and that's establish the kingdom of God upon this earth that reaches many hurting and broken and lost people as we possibly can with the hope of Jesus. And I close with this scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't fight like they do. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're in the world, but we're not fighting with their weapons. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That we realize today that our weapons are carnal. We demolish arguments. We're not gonna get in a debate and argument. We demolish those and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Our weapons aren't carnal. They're mighty in God for the pulling down of the stronghold of our enemy and they will conquer him every time if we're just clothed in the armor of God. Can I challenge you today, Transformation Church? Let's receive what God is saying. Let's get ready for the greatest journey of our life. I believe it with all of my heart, man, that God's setting the stage for the greatest expression of heaven on earth it's ever seen. And a harvest of lives coming to Jesus. And he's just trying to get his church focused on the right thing so we can do the right thing. In Jesus' name. You receive God's word today? You receive it? Bow your heads with me. Father, I pray over this house that I have the honor to be called pastor in. And I stand here humbly before these people. God, a man that battles everything they do. God, everything I preach today is to me. Father, I pray today that you will help us as a church, as a people, God, help us, Lord, to get our eyes where they belong. That's on you. Help us, God, to fight the real enemy, and that's the devil. And help us to love and pray for each other constantly. Maybe in this room right now, you say, Pastor Dan, I need step one. I need to start right at step one. I just need to make a commitment to Jesus today. I'm not where I need to be with Christ. The enemy has come to attack me and destroy me. And I know right now I'm not a bad person, but I'm not in a good place spiritually. And I just need you to pray for me. If that's you, would you just lift a hand wherever you sit? God bless you. 
God bless you. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. So we had many accept Christ in the first service. Hands are being raised right now. Maybe you're on the web, on the internet, and you need to pray today. You need Jesus in your life today. We want to pray for you. If you raise your hand or you did not, and you need Christ today, will you pray this prayer with me? And we're going to join you. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come to you. I confess. I believe and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, you join me and let's celebrate.